Welcome to the Poem of the Week. Each week, our poems are intended to help you practice the best, most current medicine by alerting you to studies that could change your practice. As usual, our host this week is National Public Radio's Dr. Michael Wilkes and Essential Evidence Senior Editor, Dr. Mark Abel. Gentlemen. Good day, Mark. Hey, Mike. Panic. Panic disorders are defined as recurrent, unexpected panic attacks. In the the syndrome called panic disorder, at least one of the attacks is followed a one month by uh, more worry about future attacks or their consequences or other significant maladaptive uh, behavioral change. Panic attacks can be seen in the context of other psychiatric or medical disorders like PTSD or or mood disorders or anxiety disorders or cardiovascular disorders. A panic disorder is a DSM-5 diagnosis. You know, when we look at a national uh, representative sample, the 12-month prevalence of panic disorders is, is somewhere around 2 or 3%. The prevalence of panic disorders amongst primary care patients is approximately twice as high as the general population, meaning rates sort of of, of 4 to 6%. I'm not sure if that means that we're causing anxiety in our patients. Nonetheless, the disorder is a median uh, age of onset of about 24 years. Uh, the lifetime prevalence, about 5% in females, 2% in males. There have been some genetic studies uh, that showed that multiple genes and varied gene expressions appear to be associated, uh, important uh, the association, not a cause, but are associated with anxiety disorders. For example, first-degree relatives of patients who do have panic disorders have higher rates of panic disorders than relatives of patients with other psychiatric illnesses like depression um, or uh, compared to relatives of healthy controls. So the question is, how do we treat these panic attacks? You found a poem. It was published in uh, British Medical and Journal uh, in 2022. It attempts to answer the question, is treatment with medications effective for patients with panic disorders. Mark, I guess the, the implication there is uh, medications versus therapy, but how do medis- medications pan out? Yeah, this was a, uh, you know, published in the BMJ and it was a, a well-done randomized trial. And they looked for studies that were treating panic disorder with or without agoraphobia. And they looked at three different databases, did all the usual types of searches. They found 87 studies Uh, published in any language with uh, almost 13,000 participants and 12 drug classes. And uh, only one study was felt to be low risk of bias and all of the studies were short duration. So those are limitations. None of this, um, basically all of the studies were 12 weeks or less in duration. Now for panic disorder, that may be long enough. Um, It's it's not like chronic depression where you would want a longer term study. All of the other studies had problems with randomization or allocation concealment or selective outcome reporting that kept them from being classified low risk of bias. Uh, As we talked about last week, they did a network meta-analysis where they're combining both directly and indirectly these different drug classes. And they, looking at the effect on remission, which was defined as no panic attacks for at least one week by the end of the study, all of the drug classes were better than placebo with benzodiazepines, tricyclics and SSRIs most effective in that order as the top treatments. All three drug classes were associated with an increased likelihood of adverse effects with SSRIs being the safest. Among the SSRIs, 
sertraline and escitalopram were associated with the highest remission and the lowest risk of adverse events. So bottom line, uh, in a body of evidence that is, as the authors say, plagued by poorly designed studies of short duration, what we do know is that SSRIs show the best balance of effectiveness versus risk or harm. Now, this analysis didn't give us a comparison of medication with psychotherapy, although a meta-analysis of that topic was unable to document a benefit of one over the other. You know, the advantage of the therapy, uh, if it's something that is a lifestyle or is triggered, um, you can begin to get at the root cause of, of those and medications, um, you know, you're going to have to stop. And what happens uh, after you stop? Again, if it's just a short period of time, medications might be a, a good approach. Anyways, it is a helpful poem. It did come up with uh, some specific recommendations. The two drugs that you mentioned um, are quite well tolerated by patients. If you were in practice, Mark, would you jump to a drug or would you couple it with therapy or give the patient just the option, you know, six, one, half dozen, another? Yeah, I think it's really a patient option. I think you certainly have patients who would want to avoid having to take a medication for the rest of their lives and who would be able to engage with and, and put the energy into therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy typically is the first choice for uh, this kind of problem. Um, but, you know, the drugs, and, and I'll use the trade names, uh, Zoloft and Lexapro are, we've had a lot of experience with those. They're, they're well tolerated and they do seem to be quite effective. And as you, you noted, uh, safe for this indication. So I think either one is a reasonable option. Great. We will talk again in a week. Thanks, Mark. Well, that's this week's poem. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to read this and other recent poems, please go to www.essentialevidence.com. And please join us again next week for another medical poem. Oh, 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 oh,